Welcome to Playback by Playlister, the bi-weekly podcast where you can stay current on technology and leadership ideas that impact you. Here's today's host and Playlister CEO, Grant Glass. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm happy to have on the show today, Jennifer McGee. Jennifer is from uh, all the way in Georgia and her church is uh, Woodstock City. And we're really excited to have her on the show today. Jennifer, we always kick it off. Tell us a little bit about uh, your organization. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thankful um, that you've asked me. But um, I am the transit director at Woodstock City Church in Woodstock, Georgia. It's um, suburb of the Atlanta area. Um, And transit is our middle school ministry, for those who are wondering. Um, so I get to. Work. I was wondering, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I get that, and it's not an explanatory kind of name in itself. But I get to work with sixth through eighth graders um, and all of the volunteers and leaders that come with that. But we are a church under uh, the umbrella of North Point Ministry, North Point Ministries, and their um, six campuses in the Metro Atlanta area. So that would be North Point Community Church, Buckhead Church, Gwinnett Church, Brownsbridge Church, Decatur City, and then Woodstock City. So we are hitting the suburb of the northwest side of the city, if that makes sense. It um, does. If you've been to Atlanta, you know. It. So how close to Buckhead are you? We're probably 40 minutes from Buckhead. Okay. They're going to be inside the perimeter, and we are about 20 minutes north of that. Got it. Yeah, I've flown into Atlanta a couple of times, and I just know how long it takes to kind of get the Alpharetta oh my from goodness. the yes. airport. <laughs> yeah. It's a trek, but... Yeah. Yeah, so, that's good. All right. Well, six through eighth graders, man, that's some heroic work. Yeah. And I know from experience, uh, I was a substitute teacher for many years. Awesome. I know that that grade level is amazing uh, because you're faced with so many like challenges because they're just starting to become their own person at that stage. I think really, truly breaking into like adulthood. So uh, I'm curious, so, like, tell me a little bit about your background and your personal mission, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. Um, personal mission is interesting. Um, I feel like that's ever-changing depending on kind of where I find myself. But I um, I have been a, on staff at Woodstock City for the last seven years. I started out with our Kidmen Wombaland, which is our preschool all the way down to babies. Oh, awesome. Um, and I kind of did large group with that, um, led as a group's director that's kind of like leading an hour um of volunteers and such. And yeah. then I moved into transit five years ago, um, worked with transit for the last five years, which I've loved. And recently my oldest daughter, um, I have four girls, but my oldest is just started transit in May. And so, oh, in nice. so brand new baby sixth grader. And so my, um, when I say my personal mission, when it comes to you know, working here at our church. Um, my husband is also on staff here. So kind of the layers of our family and layers of um, career and faith and community are all worked and interweaved together. But even a newer layer of um, a personal, you know, my kid being in transit, I've never, you know, it's a new aspect of how important this season is. Um, and like you said, middle schoolers, they're often misunderstood and they often misunderstand everything around them. And so it is a very challenging season. Um, 
likely the most change that ever happens, you know, in our lives kind of fall yeah. in three years. And yeah, so I, I love what I get to do. I love these students that I um, kind of get to see grow in their faith and begin a faith of their own. Um, and yeah. yeah, so. Well, there's a lot of challenges in that uh, because, oh man, I four girls, God bless you. <laughs> I've got one girl, so I, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now they're a little bit older. I've got a daughter. She's four years old, uh, but I, I can only like the way she goes around the house right, right. now. I can, I can tell it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, but yeah. also there'll be challenging days. A lot of emotion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you uh, having such a interwoven like family church relationship. And now that she's in the transit as well, I'm sure that poses a lot of opportunities. Like I'm kind of the half uh, glass, half full type of person. Same. Yes. Yes. But maybe let's talk about like how you're seeing like challenges today in those those classrooms are oh, yeah. challenges like with communicating to the kids or is there challenges with like training volunteers from a leadership perspective? Like when you get in, like what do you really try to focus on to solve or are you trying to solve? Yep. You know, it's interesting that you asked that. Um, we have been kind of doing some planning and dreaming about the next one year, two year, five year. And if we, you know, had unlimited resources and unlimited financial uh, resources and all the volunteers in the world, what would we want to see? Uh, and Mm. the more we dream, we're like, we need to be involved in schools, right? Schools are going nowhere. Um, there are, you know, more students and more, um, things that are happening. Their time is spent at school more than anywhere else. And so anyway, so in talking through that, um, it's interesting that you talk about challenges though. I recently, Part, part of what of our church does is partners with some Title I or lower income school districts in the area, so in our city's area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when asking the principal, hey, what what challenges are you looking at? They're exactly what we are. And it was, it's social media and technology. Yeah. Um, and then it's social emotional kind of awareness and maturity, yeah, dialogue. You know, these are two things. So time and attention when it comes to technology, um, regulation, those kind of things. And the social emotional, which is identity and talking about feelings and identifying those emotions that our girls have. And um, those kind of challenges that come and how does faith come alongside it have been probably the, the most challenging thing, especially. And then on the other side of that, equipping leaders to know how to navigate those things, how to partner with parents in navigating these things. Um, and really even seeing my sixth grader and knowing all the things that, you know, it's, it's living out in my household all the time. Um, you know, whether it's social, emotional dialogue with friends um, yeah. or challenges that are coming through social media. Um, it's well, it's, it's, let's talk about that. I want to pull on that thread for a second because yeah. I read a great book, uh, The Whole Brain Child. And I wanted, yeah. because one of the things that I, I learned from that book is like the emotional compass of a child, mm-hmm. understanding 
uh, what emotions are correct based off the circumstances that they're in and teaching them really that, yes, this you should be feeling sad or you, yes. that's correct. You should be angry in this and them getting a good, strong sense that their compass is correct. And I think middle school is really the time where they are kind of sure of their emotional compass, but they need that reassuring and Technology and social media has a tendency to mess up the compass a little bit, my personal uh, opinion. But I wanted to bounce that off of you and see how it landed. I I think that absolutely is um, a connection for sure. Um, And I would even go to say, you know, the, the compass that you're talking about, the feeling identification that can even be challenging. Um, I think as adults trying to figure out our feelings and identify <laughs> right. and leading tiny humans who have all of the feelings um, and depending on the, you know, the student you have, if they're, they feel safe to talk about it um, or they feel safe and knowledgeable of knowing what feelings they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, they're just so so many layers. And then, and currently, I mean, our children see, they see us on our phones. Right. And yeah, so no, that's and, so tough for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you put a phone in their hands and, um, and add emotions and, and feeling, you know, and figuring out their emotional compass and that feeling compass you're talking about. Um, and then really identifying the right words around those feelings mm-hmm. and then where that feeling is coming from, you know, what's mm-hmm. playing into that emotion that, can be so challenging because if they're not verbalizing that with someone who's safe and someone who can help them with that, they're going straight to their phone. Um, we know that that's not, that, that is not the safest playground for emotion, you know? No, it's just not healthy either. And I, I feel myself, I feel hypocritical, uh, just when, you know, I, I, my daughter, she's four, she plays the iPad, uh, but you take that away, but then she sees, you just right. like staring at the phone like half the evening and you, you start right. to become more self-aware. I, and I, Jennifer, I'm not looking forward to the day where I've got to start making decisions on like, do you get a phone or not? Like, because that's just terrifying to me because it, there's, it's more terrifying than handing the car keys over at this point. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It's challenging. Um, go ahead. Well, sixth grade. I mean, I'm seeing kids as young as like third grade get phones and then some kids like they wait until middle school right around. So I'm sure you're, you're right in the thick of it. Yeah. where? Hey, I just got a phone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so personally, as you know, as a parent, um, we did, we got our daughter a phone. She started sixth grade. She got a phone. Um, And kind of like in the, the parallel of we're going to walk through this together. And so we're going to give you some very, very high boundaries with this newfound freedom. Um, and, but we want to do that while you're still connected to us. And meaning, you know, as like a naturally a sixth grader or seventh grader, or eighth grader, they're going to begin to pull away from their parents. That's, yeah. that's kind of what we, we see in this season where um, culture wants to give them more independence, right? We want to give them more independence. We're like, finally, you can, you know, pack your own lunch or keep up with your own homework. And, you know, there's not parent-teacher conferences happening in middle school. And so as these new freedoms are coming, we need to help prepare them for those freedoms. And so w- my husband and I, were on the, 
the, the page of, hey, let's give you a phone. Let's have high boundaries. We're not doing any kind of social media at all. Um, my daughter's not even allowed to add a phone number to her phone unless she asks us like who it is, which right, right. is right now she's not mad at those rules, you know, um, or yeah. frustrated by them because she's not, it's still a, having the, a little bit of freedom with a phone is enough for her to gain some independence. And yeah. so we're just taking it one step at a time. I have no idea if we're doing it right. Well, well see no, that's you, good for you. you know? I, it needs to be, a course for adults and like yeah. we have to address this. It can't just be like, Hey, here's a phone. Go at it. Oh, yep. It's almost like an Excalibur sword. Like you're, you're, that is something that is very powerful to wield because you can do many things with that. That's just not a phone now that's calling phone numbers. And right. I do think it, it needs to be woven the, again, personal opinion, woven more into the curriculum and taken a step-by-step approach, which it sounds like you're doing with your daughter. So kudos for you. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we definitely, there are seasons even in, in moving back into transit, there are seasons where we talk about um, technology. You know, we do a relationship or sex series every March with our students Mm-hmm. And in that series, they, we talk about technologies and its dangers. And um, usually that brings up a lot of discussion of what middle schoolers are seeing or experiencing, experiencing or um, really exploring, you know, yeah. when it comes to technology and those kind of things. We have, um, we have a few resources for parents on our website on, okay, like, Maybe it's a contract you sign with your kid when you give them a phone. Um, yep. Kind of come up with some rules together, like no phone in bedrooms or, oh, gosh, charging, yes. you know, yep. charging phone at night downstairs mm-hmm. uh, or all phones on the table, which as parents, you kind of want to jump in on that as well. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so far until they get in the bed and you're like, are you asleep? Okay, I'm back on my phone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the technology is a big piece of challenges and distractions. And, um, you know, I think it's situational with each student and situational with each family. But yes, I would agree. Um, it is, you've got more uh, emotionally mature kids that understand it. And then other ones that maybe retreat back, back to technology when they, the fight or flight kicks in, which can often happen. Yeah, that's now, great. I want to I want to uh, shift gears back to something that you said about uh, just I think inner like weaving in uh, faith to school. I've read a lot of books where that can actually be extremely impactful. Uh, Culture Code's a great one where he talks about the power of faith inside of uh, organizations, just not schools. And it sounds like during your strategic planning that just being more interwoven with schools is some, an objective you guys yeah. uh, can certainly uh, start to stride and move and move the rock forward on that. So I'm curious in the next few years, how, how do you see your church and other similar churches evolving maybe to potentially partner with schools? Yeah. Or is something that looks like that or is, or is the church really become the school first, then the church? That's a, that's a great question. And we are still like in the dreaming stages of that, but in, in kind of what we've begun to dream or kind of see that has been a great partnership in some ways is, um, I don't kind of identifying some teams or some student connections that already exist. 
whether it's showing up at at the first band practice, you know, and passing out transit stickers or having a, you know, popcorn at open house. Um, These are like, they're tiny things that begin a kind of a connection of just, we want, we really want everyone familiar with the name transit. Um, (laughs) And and that's more like a marketing side of things. Um, But the point around that would be, you know, that our hope is that when middle school, like we know middle school is hard, we know middle school is going to bring challenges. And we know that as a student begins to pull away from a parent, we want a student and a parent to know, like when life hits, who can I turn to? Um, and so if transit is a place that is known within our schools, um, our hope is that, you know, in those moments, families would go, okay, let's, let's check out this place and see what they've got going on. Um, and so in, in the relationship building, right. In the beginning things, you just, that's what you kind of do, build a relationship. Maybe it's connecting with teachers. Um, and these are, you know, I, I would say any church leader listening is like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And we already do that. Right. We do a, um, like a breakfast for teachers during teacher planning week or, Mm -hmm. Um, like these kind of layers are offering a room in your, you know, like your auditorium to a principal to have their first staff meeting because they can't fit everyone in a staff meeting within their gym. I, I'm not sure. Like there are things that we've talked about um, and really just beginning those relationships. But if I found anything in, find out in my elementary school level, right? Because most of my personal experience are my kids are younger. Um, Teachers are super willing to have discussion around faith. Um, there seems to be, or at least kind of where we are in the South, um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of pushback when it comes to that dialogue, if that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, we have within our ministry, we have coaches, um, we have teachers who serve in transit Mm -hmm. and they're open with their students about that. Um, you know, some people people may approach with like, hey, let's partner with FCA or partner with different Christian clubs within the school. And we're kind of like, I'm not sure that we want to, I wonder if, the, if that's the best approach to a partner with an organization that's kind of already doing it well. Um, should we try and take another approach and just serving the school system um, and connecting with them and kind of, again, talking to principals, realizing they're facing the same challenge as we are. Um, with students, you know, that, or the students are facing the same challenges that we're each trying to solve. And yeah. so we can learn from them as much as uh, we can support what they're doing or um, if that makes sense. Well, it, it makes complete sense. I look at this and I, I, I say the church is to me like the uh, discussion topic we've thrown a, a lot on this podcast is 21st yeah. century church of the 21st century, what does that look like? How can church have an impact in the 21st century? Uh, and I believe it starts actually with partnering with schools. That, that's my belief. It's the kids and giving them the tools uh, to become successful later on in life. And that requires faith. Now, a hero with a thousand faces, this can be you know, not strictly Christian-centered, it can be around different religions, but it's teaching of faith to believe in something and have 
I, I think, the proper ethics to then become a, a productive member of society, right? And if you've got that and you're partnering with schools because kids are there like a majority of their time at school, then you're going to be, uh, I I think, having a a greater impact. And I've talked to other churches that are kind of flipping the model and saying like, okay, could we be at school first, then a church? And that allows us to connect with the students better and throughout just not only when they're in middle school or high school, yeah. but also elementary school and pre pre like you were in the baby's room and you know yeah. that child kit with four daughters, childcare costs are crazy. crazy. Yeah. And I, I struggle with two kids just to uh, take my um, son and daughter to daycare and pay for that. And that, that's something where the church is coming in and providing those places, especially on the weekend. And it's like, why can we do that all week? And how can we have a bigger impact like once they get out of that? And I think those types of questions are, are, are worth exploring and answering because that's where the church fits into society and can make a huge difference. Because what we've seen is government is not going to, I think, make an impact on the kids the way we want it to. So now it's up to our, our churches to do that. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'll get off my... No, no, no. <laughs> you got me fired up talking about... Yeah, and thinking of a, yeah, an, an approach. Um, yeah, an approach to serving a community in a different way. You well, know? I got to ask you about that. So when you were now, it sounds like you started out and uh, you were doing the just the little kiddos. Yeah. And that was um, on the weekends. But did you see in your facilities, like, I got to believe there's like a, a chance to expand that beyond just the weekend and, and help people in need because there is so many families. I read a statistic that blew my mind. One third of the family income is going to childcare costs when before they hit public school. One third. That's just nuts. Uh, well, yeah, I can believe it. Um, that, that is my childcare... Uh, or education is my, and that's what I got my degree in, right? Um, but I'm not. I, it's it's interesting what you're talking about, and um, and and it doesn't surprise me that our a third of our income is going to the care and emotional well being and physical well being of our children. Um, it is though extremely challenging, you know, because then you if you add an insurance cost, that is also another layer of the emotional and physical well-being of our children. Mm. Um, and then food costs, you know, like, and so this is as working parents. Yeah. If, um, you know, the, the pressure of providing quality childcare for your kids is a real thing. Um, I don't know. Well, the, uh, vision of the, the vision of the church is like a, a, can a food pantry be at the church too? Can we provide, uh, some level of, of, of child care at the church. Could this actually be a place where we start to help uh, our society in general with the systemic problems we have? Because government's not going to address that. Uh, to be a place of worship and faith that also, as a community, comes around and say, hey, we're helping all the young kids, and here's how we're making an impact every single day. Yeah. Uh, and... And as an entrepreneur myself, I think that's also teaching entrepreneurship. I would love to see it. I've got this dream. And please, Jennifer, tell me if I'm crazy or not. 
micro businesses, right? So each of your kids in middle school, this is a perfect chance, mm-hmm. have a little micro business. So on Sundays, they set up their little booth and people come into the church and they can buy little uh, whatever they're selling right there. So it's like little, they, it teaches them about entrepreneurship. There's a lemonade day here in Indiana where uh, elementary school kids are encouraged to set up lemonade stands across the entire yeah. And I really they do market days. Yeah. 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 I think that's perfect. Like it starts to teach it's the intersection of like, I can do it myself. I need, but I need teamwork and I need faith. And this all happens at like the entrepreneurship level and the support of the entire community right there. It's perfect intersection. I think for a true transformation to happen is right where you live day to day, Jennifer, is in that middle school and helping those kids understand how they can, you know, realize their dreams and do it through faith and entrepreneurship and teamwork. Uh, And that's only something the church is really going to facilitate, I think, to the degree that is necessary to fix the problems in society. That, that it feels that honestly, that feels like a lot for me to even process because like that, that is a very niched, um, not maybe not niched idea, but it for sure is a, a strategy I haven't really even explored or thought about. Um, kind of our approach in for our church when it comes to those kind of things that you're talking about, like a food pantry or um, connecting with providing childcare for a family who is needing, you know, quick support but may not have the financial means for it, or any of those layers of service kind of thing. Um, we have just found organizations within our community who do it really, really well. And then how can we come alongside them? Mm, and, yes. and very, very vocal with faith around that, but also, um, you know, kind of like not in your face, but Hey, we know, we know that you're here for this service, whatever that is. Um, you know, yeah. maybe it's, there are definitely food pantries within our schools. Um, and so we just take it, we stock those food pantries. Um, and because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a network that we have that is, that, that kind of God has built within this church that if we can use this network to support those kind of endeavors that you're talking about and those kind of supports within our community, why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. Why? Um, there's no sense in recreating the wheel. Somebody's going to yeah. partner. And with- then honestly, those organizations become the hero. Um, yeah who are experts in those things and experts in servicing those families for those needs. Um, like we, we don't have a preschool at our church during the week, right? That's not something that we've chosen to invest in. Um, there is something small for staff. That's awesome. But, um, you know, that, that is a segment that we haven't explored as a ministry, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and I understand that my like the 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 vision of what, in my opinion, uh, a church could become in the twenty first century, and then the the realities of where, just from a facility standpoint, a lot of churches are. A lot of I think the majority of churches were built uh, bef- at or before nineteen sixty. So wow. the the facility yeah. in which you do your worship. Uh, and have Sunday services, um, 
need to evolve too. And it would make sense that you would partner with communities and people that are coming to the church to mm-hmm. fully, I think, realize and have the impact, right? It's more so, I've talked a lot about this with other church leaders, is um, the key performance indicators of your church, like yeah. the numbers where you're actually making a difference, where you can say, yes, we're pointing to these numbers and we're doing X, Y, and Z, and look what we're doing here. And a lot of leaders, there's this kind of what I've sensed you're either into those numbers, or you're not, because it feels a little too businessy. Where yeah. well, data is helpful, though. Yes, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Very extremely and, helpful. You know, we we have a whole analytics department in our church that helps, kind of tells us exactly. Like, I think it's what you're getting at. I'm sorry, I interrupted, but um, like, you know, are we spending our energy in the right spots that our community needs? Um, yeah. You know, and. And even on a weekly connection, you know, the the Monday through Saturday, how are we serving our community? Um, I mean, that is in the small regards of middle school ministry, um, which we haven't really gotten to and our time is getting close. But um, in how do we put these adults that we kind of vet and equip and encourage and um, connect with and create create community with these leaders that are then leading these middle schoolers real like our goal is that they're connecting with them during the week as well and so partnering with them to partner with schools to partner with parents how do we make you know all five of these points and influences in a student's life how do we connect all those pieces together to fully support these students um you know and and maybe the future 21st century church that you're talking about looks something you know, in those, that regards kind of what you're saying. Yeah. And that's a way to bring it, I think, full circle is where technology does have an important role in this. We need to embrace it in the right way to be a trusty sidekick. uh, I think, uh, see the potential of what church could look like because absolutely have this vision of church of being like a little white chapel on the hill. And we need uh, social media net platforms and networks. We need all of those. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And it's so, but we had a guest on the show where we talked about using data more at a church is what actually needs to be done because with more data and the more you can harness that, the bigger impact your church can have. And a lot of leaders kind of shy away from that because it might feel a little too big brother or too businessy, but really to have the true impact of your congregation. Right. Your community—that's what's actually required. So you got to get over that. All right, last question. Let's wrap yeah. it up here. This has been a good conversation. Yes. I always love yes. book recommendations. So okay, uh, tell me what are, you, <laughs> yeah. what are you giving to people, or what do you go back to read? Like, what are your favorites? What do you find yourself handing yeah. out the most? Like, hit me with. Well, it. it this this question I love. Um, I love to read. I often don't read though because I will neglect my family because I will get lost in a book and um, never, you know, and I'm like, okay, y'all go, it's snack dinner, go find whatever you want in the pantry and then I'm going to keep reading. Um, those are my fiction novels though. And so my fiction novels, my favorites are, surprise, are Amish mystery novels. Okay. I don't Amish know. Amish mystery novels. I don't think anyone listening to your podcast is about to go research any kind of Amish mystery. <laughs> those, are, those are my favorites. Um, but then, 
anything with Brene Brown. She is probably my most favorite, most recommended author that I give any of her books on, you know, Daring Greatly or Gifts of Imperfect- Imperfection. Um, yeah, Dare to Lead. That's been... Uh, yeah, Dare to Lead. I haven't started that one yet, but I, I we're going on a vacation soon. So I've got that one on the list. That's come up a couple of times, Dare to Lead. That's a... Uh... I, I've got a. It's in my queue. Uh, Cross Timbers down in Texas. Their entire team talked about just the power of being vulnerable, which yeah. I think Renee Brown discussed really well in her Absolutely. books. Is yeah. how you then create trust quickly, and I, I'm assuming that those um, methods in communicating are important, especially with what you're doing with the uh, middle schoolers. I, I absolutely. There, um, and I think anywhere in life, it just is, yeah, it's communication around what we're feeling, what we're experiencing, and really the fact that empathy can be learned, um, and empathy can be practiced. Um, that's kind of like her, her, her thing uh, on the other side of vulnerability, vulnerability, we can be empathetic and compassionate with others. Um, you know, you've heard the thing that everyone's got a story. You know, the kind of tagline of like, you never know what someone's carrying, you know, whatever. Uh, That that kind of feels in the same ballpark of Brene Brown. Yeah. And that that mindset has resonated throughout so many books I've read is, well, how do you make someone trust you? And that's really um, sharing before you're ready. Uh, It's being vulnerable. Uh, That's the best way that a, a... True communication can start to flow. So we'll put that in the show notes. Brene Brown, man, she's got so many fantastic books. So many, yeah. So many good ones. That's a great recommendation. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, uh, Thanks for having me, Grant. Yeah, yeah, Jennifer, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Thanks. All right, bye. more ideas or to simply learn more about today's podcast, visit us online at www.playlister.app forward slash podcast.